My name is Stephen Hammond, and you're about to listen to a recording with Diana Jansen and her historic fight against sexual harassment in Canada. This was recorded on April 25, 2011. This is the first of three parts of the interview in which Diana tells us what it was like working with a cook who sexually harassed her and the employer who didn't care. I'm thrilled to be talking to Diana Jansen, one of two women who stood up to sexual harassment almost 30 years ago. Diana's long legal process ended at the Supreme Court of Canada on May 4, 1989, with a victory not just for her and the other woman, Tracy Govereau, but for all women who face sexual harassment in Canadian workplaces. And I guess men who are sexually harassed owe you a thanks too. Diana, welcome. Thanks, Stephen, for letting me have the opportunity to contribute to educating Canadians on sexual harassment, which still goes on. Well, just set the stage on how we met. On the 20th anniversary of the Supreme Court's decision in 2009, I interviewed the Manitoba Human Rights Adjudicator, Mr. Yudi Henteleff, the fellow who first ruled in your favour. At the end of the article, I said, if anyone knows the whereabouts of you or Ms. Govero, please let me know. And then more than a year went by, and I get this email from a Diana saying thanks. Your phone number was on your signature line. So I called right away and said, why would a woman be saying thanks to me? When you said you were Diana Jansen, I yelled, I thought so. I was just very excited to be talking to you. I mean, I, I really, honestly, I was very excited. Um, although this brings up horrific memories for you, 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 you graciously agreed to do this interview so that others get the benefit of hearing about your story. And I want to be very clear, if at any time you don't want to answer any of the questions, just say so, and we'll move on. So let's begin. Can you take us back to the waitressing job you started in Winnipeg at Farrow's Restaurant on August 21st, 1982? Oh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> um, I was young and hopeful for the future and had secured a job at a location that I thought was ideal for going back and forth from my new apartment to the university while I was working on my degree. And um, I had secured the job through an introduction by a friend to uh, the owner and uh, was very thankful at the start to be able to be working at Pharaoh's Restaurant. And you were... You were going to school full-time, is that it? And then this job was part-time, or, or, or what was it? Well, <laughs> the original plan was to work full-time and to go to school full-time. I had a lot of energy, but as time went on, realistically, that, that wasn't doable, and I did actually drop a class, but continued to work, hopefully, full-time hours because I did have uh, expenses at the time and was relying on that income. Right. So you start a job, you're hopeful um, to be doing a good job, and you had, um, well, to say the very least, run-ins with the cook, Tommy Grammis. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what actually happened that uh, led to the problems? Well, I think that's detailed well enough in the, in the court documents, so I'd prefer not to to detail that right now, sure. but uh, I, I think it's documented well enough. But the the outcome was um, was that it affected my my performance uh, on the floor, uh, interactions with customers, and uh, as well as uh, other parts of my life. And 
part of working under those circumstances is that you can't perform to the level that you want to perform, and certainly the customers that I served were not always getting the best possible service due to the, what was going on behind the scenes. Having said that, I am amazed that the public can be so incredibly abusive to waitresses as well. In fact, right. in the years since that time, I'm amazed at the pressure that the public will put on people in the service industry. Um, I, I don't know if that's appropriate to say that or not, Stephen, just oh. going back to that time. Sure, sure. Um, no the reactions of the customers certainly reinforced what I felt about myself at that time. Yeah. Well, and just because a lot of people wouldn't know actually what was in the Supreme Court decision or, or, or all the decisions that went along because this was appealed so much, Tommy was actually making derogatory comments towards you. He was making sexually suggestive comments, and he was also touching you in inappropriate ways. And the adjudicator even said that um, he often did it at a time when you were doing your waitress duties, your waitering duties, and uh, so you actually couldn't defend yourself. And so the way that it was described in the decision, of course, is that it was pretty horrendous, the, the kinds of um, physical and verbal uh, abuses that you were actually putting up with. Is that correct? Yes, I'd say that's a pretty good summary. You made it very clear to Tommy that um, you weren't the slightest bit interested in what he was doing. Or in other words, you made it really clear that what he was doing was completely inappropriate. Is that correct? I, I did, um, actually, in, in no uncertain terms. Did it take you a while to go to uh, Mr. Anastasiadis? Um, it, it was a little while. It was, um, it was maybe a month. And um, when I did talk to him, uh, I was he, – he's certain <laughs> – certainly Pharaohs would never be one of the top 50 employers, um, given the response at the time to my complaint – um, I, I know that you'll be able to censor this if necessary, but Philip's immediate reaction to my complaint was, you need a fuck anyways. Huh. And my feeling at that point just was, was, oh my gosh, I really, there really is something wrong with me that I would be so bothered by what was happening. So I, I held my ground with the cook. I let him know that... I wasn't interested, and I just wanted to do my work, but I felt at every turn I was being sabotaged and not being able to perform my duties, certainly uh, going out to a table to serve people. I certainly wasn't uh, a happy waitress, um, making sure that they were um, feeling like they'd made the right choice in coming to that restaurant. And you were, what, but were you 21 years old at this time? Yes. Okay. And the interesting... And, sorry, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> and I was going to say, and I thought I was very worldly and knew a lot. <laughs> I was actually going to say that for a lot of young people, um, they're often in very vulnerable positions. Um, you know, 21 is, is an adult anywhere within Canada by, by all uh, sort of legal determinations. But you're still relatively young, and it's also at a time when... You, you can be a bit vulnerable because presumably it was, I, I'm guessing it was probably relatively important for you to hold on to this job. It, it was. I was in the process of living independently, proving that I was ready for the world and, and uh, I was enjoying my freedom and independence for the most part at first. Um, 
I, I just um, it, it was so long ago, and and I asked myself why I would put up with it when certainly I wouldn't now. But I have the benefit of of a lifetime since then. So I, I wonder sometimes when I see young people who are so confident and so sure of themselves, and of course they have so much more. Um, knowledge and exposure to information and uh, but there's still a group of of people in the world in Canada who who are still vulnerable whether it's because of their age or their upbringing or or socioeconomic conditions you really need the job you're going to hang on to it at all costs and and you put up with a lot more than you would otherwise and so is that why you put up with it because you were there for about uh, two months a little over two months I think so mm-hmm. um why didn't you quit? Well, I did. <laughs> well, sure, but and, and why didn't you? Why didn't you quit sooner than that? I needed to. Well, I needed to be right. I guess I, I don't. You know, I, I had some time to think about this interview, but honestly, didn't go back to think about the types of questions that that people are asking and how I would answer them. Why why didn't I quit sooner? Because I was naive, because I was young, because I was stupid, because I was putting up with a lot of stuff, because I didn't know my own rights. I did know that I had a right to my own body. I have a right to my own thoughts. I have a right to to work without being harassed like that. And I thought that if I could put a stop to it, that I could still continue in this job that I thought was ideal for my situation at that time. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, and and when it didn't, and I thought I had given it enough opportunity to remedy itself, I I quit, and I also hang on hang on to it a bit longer because I did feel that I was being stupid and too sensitive, and because a friend had secured me the introduction to Philip in a in a industry where jobs were snapped up fairly quickly and and you know i i just really thought that i owed it to this friend as well to hang on to the job to try a little harder and to to not make trouble yeah and and the interesting thing for a lot of people is when i ask that question under no circumstances do i want you or anyone else to think that you were responsible and oh my goodness why didn't you do this sooner there's so many variables that go on for people and 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 one that i hadn't even thought about of course was that you felt that there was this duty this obligation to this other person but there's so many variables that people go through that it's 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 so easy for those who are observing just to say oh why didn't she quit or why didn't he quit almost like an abusive relationship you know why did someone why did someone actually stay there as long as they as they did and and the fact that you had the right to be there and the right to do a job where you weren't being sexually harassed um, is probably one of those things in which you're thinking I shouldn't have to quit in order to just assert my basic rights. The other thing, yeah. of course, the other thing that, that I was just thinking is that you were saying you didn't know your rights, and this is this is the difficulty is that people are in a um, are especially when they're young is they don't realize they have the rights and let's face it if you assert them where's that going to get you in many circumstances it's kind of like okay then you'll just get um, a boss who's going to be more abusive or or it's not as though if it's a if it's a bad employer to start with it's not as though the person is going to really care about your rights and so that just puts you in the same position um, which is basically out of a job that's true and and um 
just what you had said about I, I didn't really know my rights. I mean, in the same breath I'm saying I, I knew my rights, uh, but I, I doubted myself. Um, I thought I knew my rights, and then I thought, well, you know, I, I must be I must be wrong. I, I really did have a lot of self-doubt. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people go through that. Now, you weren't the only one who, of course, was involved with this. There was Tracy Govero. Um The interesting thing is, of course, you only overlapped as co-workers for about two weeks. How how well did you know Tracy? Uh, I didn't know Tracy very well at all. Um, right. We worked together for like just a, a very very short time, and in that time, I was pretty self-absorbed in terms of just getting through my shifts. Right. And when did you when did you last see her? You know, after after the case had had been run through the courts and. Uh, I actually ran into her uh, on the street one day. It was just a chance meeting, and we haven't met since. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Because it's such a significant case, um, and and both of you both of you um, were willing to you know step up and actually uh, do something about that. And uh, and somehow it would almost seem as though you, for a lot of people like myself or others, it's, it somehow would be that you knew each other more. Um, and, and and one of the things, of course, is she she stayed on in the job, and then of course she was uh, fired. Most people don't take on the arduous process that you actually began. And why did you make the complaint in the first place? You know, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, there were a lot of factors, and. Um, I think one of the the big ones was actually my employer subsequent to my employment at at Pharaohs. I had actually been working at uh, at another hotel at a hotel restaurant and uh I had left them on on good terms to assume this other job and I went back to them and I told them exactly what had happened and that I needed employment and they said we of course will hire you back. And when I told them the circumstances of my leaving the other position they said that um, Pharaohs was bad business, that it was bad for their industry, and um, they actually encouraged me to go to the Human Rights Commission. Their exact words were, go for the throat. <laughs> and, well, now, did that, um, do you think that, that, uh, that support actually helped you to actually want to go and do that? It really, really did. It, um, it validated that I was in the right and that, Employers can't treat people that way, and here was uh, an employer telling me exactly that. They didn't treat their employers, their employees that way, and they didn't think it was right that anybody else should be doing that either. And uh, investment in your employees is an important part of the service industry. You need to have happy, satisfied employees who can deliver the services that you want to deliver. So it, it made sense. Um, to, I'm kind of at a loss here for words, just I don't know how to say it eloquently. It made sense for employers to want to have happy, satisfied employees and to do otherwise is detrimental to themselves, never mind to their industry, never mind to to the individuals. It just, it didn't make any sense. It defied logic on so many levels that, that pharaohs would, would be operating that way. And I guess the biggest thing was just that my my employer believed in me and believed it was the right thing to do, and um, 
and actually accommodated me on the days when when there were court hearings and uh, and I appreciated that very much. I owe a huge thanks to harvey and and Teddy and uh, Kathy and to all of the people that I worked with at that time well, wasn't that nice so you um uh, so you won. You you uh, took your case, and and something that a, a lot of people might not realize is that it wasn't a concerted effort. Um, how did you find out when you went to the Manitoba Human Rights Commission? How did you find out what Tracy Govero had done? Well, they they um, told me that there was another individual who had made a complaint against Pharaohs as well, and that they would like to put the cases together to land strength to each other because this is the type of thing where if a pattern is established it's um, it's one of those things that lends, lends strength to the case and the fact that we didn't work together for very long and didn't really know each other would certainly um, would certainly mean that we hadn't colluded that we you know it uh, it just made sense to do it at the same time Right. So, so that's what I was told was that they would like to do that, and I said that was just fine if it's going to strengthen the case. Because it's interesting when you say colluded. There, is, what's amazing is the amount of people who somehow assume that there's something else going on. That uh, um, you know that it's someone trying to, let's say, just make make some money off of an employer or something <laughs> along those lines. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm it's, sorry, it, this was so not about the money. Be sure to listen to the second and third parts of the interview where Diana continues her story about her difficult process over many years to find justice.